You are listening to the Vijar Manthan podcast. Namaste. Welcome to another episode of the Vijar Mantam podcast. I am your host Sumit Sharma and it's a great honor for me to be representing this to be doing this podcast live here today. Uh, very excited to have Amiji Amiji Ganatra who currently lives in Mumbai to bring her on to the the show today to talk about her books and and what she stands for uh, and to go, you know, a bit bit behind the motivations of of doing something like this carrying out one could argue at the bus in such a manner so before we get into that i just want to remind all our viewers and listeners at home uh, we are on spotify audible apple podcast google podcast youtube and this is a project to explore the modern day world through what we call a dharmic lens how can we recapture the views of uh, sustainability liberty flourishing right we're trying to have in-depth interviews with some of the best thinkers of our time so if you're interested to uh, take an idea, poke and prod it with the truth and with sustainability to understand the world, especially in the modern context, then uh, I encourage you to subscribe, like, share, and please do share this with anyone who might be interested. Amiji, welcome to the VM podcast. Namaste, Sumit. Thank you so much for having me. Very happy to be a part of VM podcast. And um, yeah, I've, I've been aware of Vicharbanthan for a while. I know how it, you've, you guys have grown so and how what an amazing work you all are doing. So Abhinandan for that. Thank you so much. And maybe just for our listeners at home, what should one understand from the terms Vicharbanthan? What is going on there? What do those two words mean? You're asking me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's. I want to know what you think. So Manthan, right? Uh, Vicharo ka Manthan. Basically, two come together, discuss, think through topics and come up with what we call jab manthan karte hai, to kya hota hai? Manthan kiska hota hai? Say you do the manthan of milk, what comes out is butter, right? Sure. What comes okay. out is the essence of it. So through a discussion, through interactions, we try and figure out our views, our opinions on a topic and maybe even solutions to issues that, they're go- that are going on. So that's how I see vichar manthan. And having followed the work you guys do, I think it's all sort of suits you. We're trying. We're, we're trying to make it work. And literally, right, there's lots of full-time volunteers giving up their time to be a part of um, an organization like Vichar Manthan to, to explore the world, right? Let's try and understand meaning of, of what's going on. And, and that's a good topic for yourself in, in finding meaning. So uh, you, you currently live in Mumbai, but you started off doing your engineering in computer science. You went on to an MBA worked for companies like like Bain, uh, lived in London, USA, Singapore. I think there's one more, maybe Hong Kong. Uh, Hong Kong. So you, you've Germany. been in the uh, Germany too. <laughs> Well-traveled, right? And, and and lived in. So you've, you've lived in the financial capitals of the world. You've seen these the, operating in these big companies and things. And then what made you give that up? What Where does someone go to to uncover that. Let, tell us a little bit about that. To be very, very honest, it has not been a thought through uh, strategy that I want to quit corporate and I come back and do something like this here. Because I have enjoyed my corporate journey quite a bit. I've enjoyed doing consulting. I've enjoyed being in the industrial sector while I was at BSF. Uh, so I think it was... If I have to trace back where this could have come from, I think it is when I was a child, we used to have a lot of uh, Gita Press books at home. Yeah. So one thing my mom used to always stress on is that beyond English, because English we learned at school, we all in India, most of us go to English medium schools. And that's why in Europe, people are amazed at how do we speak such good English? The sad part is we don't learn our languages that much, unfortunately. But anyways, so my mom always insisted that beyond English, when it comes to reading, we should be reading every language, at least the language like what my mother tongue is Gujarati. So books in Gujarati, in Hindi and Marathi, because I live in Mumbai. So Marathi is the other uh, language here, is the official language here. So she ensured that I had those books. And what that did is that, you know, sometimes a lot of understanding of terms, of situations, of, uh, of culture, Sanskriti comes through the language. 
Um, if one reads only in English, then a lot of indictness is lost in that. But given that I had such vast reading across languages, there was always this underlying thing that, or, or rather, let's say there was no uh, hatred about what is being Indian or what is being Hindu. That was there somewhere, deep rooted. Yeah. Uh, so you know, when people say that a lot of Indians have become deracinated, I think I was really not one of that. Thanks to my mother. Uh, that said, there was no awareness as such. Ki, there's a problem going on. We need to look at it from that angle, or there needs to be a deeper study into what our heritage is. All that, all that was not there. I think that eventually happened because of yoga. I have been okay. practicing yoga for a long time, but again, it was mainly asanas. I really didn't know much else. But I remember uh, there was a time at Bain when I, you know, like like lo a lot of people, when we are going through a downtrend, that's when mm. that's like setting base for something big that's coming in your life. So that was a time when I was really not happy, not happy at work. Uh, and at that time, I broke my back. So I couldn't do much else. And yoga came back to my life again on insistence of my mother. I had given it up. He bore with that. It's always the mothers that bring us the wisdoms of the world. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't credit her enough. I am what I am because of her. So anyway, so yoga came back and then I realized that this was, this was a lot more than asanas because the impact was not only physical, my back was definitely getting better. But the way I was responding to the situations around me, the same situations, I was not happy with people around, I was not happy with what was going on at work. All that remained the same, but my responses to those situations changed. Mm, so your, <laughs> your responding ability. Absolutely. I was much happier. Without any other change, the only change was yo the the yoga oh. practice which I had which I had restarted. So I tried and to this get is, deep. And, and this is deep. This is proper yoga, not just asanas. You're going into the, the no, rest so of as, it. I was still doing only asanas and pranayama. Right. Let let me yeah. So I was only doing that. But I figured that there is more to this than what I'm doing, because and again just to show how stupid I was at that time, I wanted to take my practice a one level, a, a one one notch higher. So I said, okay, kaha se milega information? Let's look at Patanjali Yoga Sutra because it's a book on yoga. yoga. So sure. I opened that yeah. and I'm trying but, to find the that, process. And that's written in Sanskrit. So you, you, you went on to deepen your knowledge in Sanskrit. Yeah, yeah, but at that point, that was not even the idea. I okay, picked fine. up an English translation of Patanjali fine. Yoga Sutra to learn more asanas. That's why I picked it up. Sure. And to my shock, there is only once the word asana is used or maybe twice. And okay. it has no description of any asana. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, clearly all my understanding of yoga till now is completely wrong. It's like most of the world, I think. <laughs> True, exactly. Right. But even then the practice helps. Then I'm like, okay, then what is it? I need to understand better. So one thing led to another. Uh, yoga sutras led to Bhagavad Gita, which I had picked up before, but didn't, it didn't make sense at that time. And you know, some, some things make sense only when you've lived through certain experiences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened. And over the course, I realized that if I need to understand this better, it can't just be on in English. Yeah, I have to know the language. And Fine. there too, it's because I was reading one translation in of one of the books and. Uh, the, they translated some word. So there was a word used jati okay. in the book. And that jati was for, it was like, how do you compare different things? So you compare different things. If you They have to be of the same jati. Like how we say, right? you can't compare apples and oranges. They have to be of the True. same species. But the translator, for some reason, any guess what he translated it as? Uh, does it begin with a C? Yeah. <laughs> he said, this means people of only a certain caste can so, participate so, in the debate. Okay. So and it's I'm incorrect. Like, Absolutely. You know, that doesn't make sense, Absolutely, right? Absolutely. Right. And this is like playing into the narrative, which is anyways imposed on Indians. Like everything is about caste. Everything is about caste, but that's not the case. So I said, yeah, ye to aisa to chalega. if I need to understand better, I have to start learning Sanskrit. So that happened. And then over time, I realized that it's very important to understand Mahabharat because there were lots of discussions going on. And, you know, there is an idea. People say, oh, Hindu dharma mein sab chalta hai. It's all great. Everybody is good. Everybody is bad. You know, and they glorify even otherwise who are considered as adharmic characters. So I was like, what are these dharma shastras trying to tell us? What are rishis so confused that they really didn't have a point of view? How can it be that everything is good and sab kuch chalta hai? Good and bad, yeah. So I kept reading more and then... Um, and what yeah, was that, that? What was that time? What was, you say, reading more? I How was this, that? What was that journey? 
this was between 20, this was post 2013 so this was after i quit bain so during bain i was already studying a bit of yoga shastra uh, the you had the, some interest sort of in yes, in, in the exactly. culture right exactly so the interest was there but i didn't have that much time but when i moved to hong kong and i joined uh, bsf i had more time and it helps that you know i'm a little bit of an introvert so i don't go out partying and stuff a lot so it helped Fine. so uh, yeah so then i had time to study which i didn't get when i was at bain and then yeah you, that's you were you you were searching for meaning and then i think you said already there wasn't it like there was something missing but every time you come across some detailed descriptions it didn't quite fit what you knew to be correct such as you know broad screen and what does that say about the stories that have come beyond times are we reliant on the interpretations of today to make sense of them i think what has happened unfortunately sumit is that we've stopped reading our texts altogether right mm. we only rely on what is told to us and we rely on fiction written on those texts so i i come from uh, obviously a hindu family my mum was very instrumental in my life to teach me thing you know arti everything you know i got detailed knowledge i watched the ramayan and mahabharat when we were growing up so that came out eight, the year i was born so when i was a couple of years older we watched it i remember as a child watching my mother and then later on during lockdown we played it again so my frame of reference is br chopra's mahabharat yeah. and the, the, you know we taped it on tape cassettes and we labeled yeah. it my dad made printed little labels off so right and i suppose that yeah that's my frame of reference so when i think of stories i think of what i watched and it is true no. i think for an entire generation of ours I, yeah I ours imagine. our parents generation and the generation that came after us i think it's true mm. for all of us that that is what has told us about ramayana mahabharat and Now, so what i what unfortunately when i started okay. reading the texts i realized that a lot of what even they show it is not exactly what probably rishi vyasa or valmiki ji wanted yeah wrote down yeah but ramayana is an easier explanation because okay. uh, the television that the television series that we see is based on ram charitmanas not valmiki ramayana okay mahabharat there are lots of how do i say uh, myths that have been added to the tv series which actually don't exist in are, are uh, those are those interpretations like is there a, a can you track something that you could say actually i see why they've got that i see why they've put that in there well some or some of them just far fetched some just aren't there yeah so some right. you know where do they could have come from they could have come from um some sanskrit natya which was based on mahabharat like for example um draupadi keeping her hair um, uh, loose and then wanting dushasan's blood to uh, wash her hair that right. is not in mahabharat but it comes from a play which was called very samharam of course that is also not exactly that way she doesn't ask for it she keeps her hair open in that do so maybe it's a bit of a you know twist to that story okay but well, that's interesting yeah you know where she says ki blind man son is blind andhe ka putra tha that doesn't exist anywhere like anywhere yeah not even in fiction uh, some fiction has been written whoa, 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 whoa. hold on hold on Re rewind so you you said there about duryodhan where she mocked dropti mocked yeah. duryodhan right and that's what at least in my mind in yeah. angered him and <laughs> yeah. went on to create an entire war and battle and you have the entire mahabharat arguably on dropti's doing people blame yeah. her for that you're saying that's not in the original so, text so that's the thing right and the the reason why knowing <laughs> the text for what it is is so important entire mahabharat is what we call a dharma yuddha right yes. it is a dharma yuddha which is uh, a war that has taken place place for establishing dharma and justice okay now why will a war which has been caused by draupadi become a dharma yuddha because then she is the reason for that mm. right that is what okay. but so i think it shouldn't be so we shouldn't be so fickle as to thinking that perhaps we're no, naive I, no but that's the thing if it is shown this way most people will not think why they will not think because generally there is a saying which says most wars wars happen because of three things in hindi hindi mein kehte hain teen cheezon ke karan hota hai jar joru aur zameen okay jar is wealth yeah or a wife or for land this is why a war happens this is so by putting this even there it's very easy to blame draupadi but then what does it take away from it 
that is the question was it then that's why this confusions happen right when you start looking at everything from the lens of identity from a lens of oppression okay. we start making villains out of heroes and heroes out of villains and then as a civilization we have no heroes to look up to because apparently all our heroes and heroines are flawed that is what and we are everyone's taught. everyone's born in sin <laughs> exactly and then people like karn and duryodhan and ravan they are they are glorified so what is it that our generation is learning who should we become like right the other thing which we learn is anything goes yeah so we 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 always find something else to blame our problems on we'll we'll, we'll make the story fit and so i think a lot of these stories we're able to and i think i really respect what you've done writing books on stories number one but bringing characters to life and my my understanding and takeaway of some of these epic texts and ithias which i'll ask you about in a moment is that we can see characters for their traits for how they responded to situations in the world why did uh, karan act in that way why did yudhishthira do yes. what he did why did and we can then learn from those things as to Absolutely. how to approach the world how to be i think you said in in your eyes your response to the world your Absolutely. responsibility Absolutely now now take this example let's take take this example and carry it forward by blaming draupadi for the war we have absorbed duryodhan and karn right true yeah actual reason why the war happened we as a civilization we believe in the concept of karma that you okay. get what you do right yeah reproduce so basically saying that draupadi deserved what she got it was not a fault of karna duryodhan at all to disrobe her because so we haven't we haven't actually gone into the detail about what draupadi actually so i think you said it quickly she mocked duryodhan for she being did not. the yeah so what oh, the, the, sorry the story goes that this incident is not in mahabharat at all yeah but let me pose another question Fine. the thing is it makes it so simplistic that we don't use our head at all after this incident let's assume that she said even if she said right even if she said was the war because of her because one when the when pandavas came back come back from uh, uh, forest after pandu is dead duryodhan tries to kill bhishma abhima yeah by poisoning him hmm. was draupadi there at that time duryodhan so. still hated pandavas pandavas right true the lakshagraha incident that happened where he plots to kill all the brothers with their mother burn them in that palace of lack was draupadi there at that time so clearly the issue was something else that eventually led to the war it was not draupadi right yeah. now okay people might say wo tha theek hai but still she got you know she uh, aggravated are just by saying something if things get aggravated then pandavas have the right you try to kill them to begin with how important is it for the correct translations translation just knowing the story for what it is because this is not a translation issue Fine. this is just a not knowing the story issue not knowing the Fine. history issue for that matter history is not just an entertainment we see it mm. as entertainment when we see it on television we think of it only as entertainment and then from a civilizational narrative uh, perspective it becomes what is right yeah we judge the society based on that we say oh the draupadi ke sath aisa hua you are a misogynist society sita ke sath aisa hua you are a misogynist society karna ke sath aisa hua you are a casteist society on one end these are called mythologies yeah on other end we will they will use the same you know whip to whip us using these examples and where is the truth right and what is the purpose of itihas is it to just judge people or is it to learn something for ourselves there is a reason they are called dharma shastras now if the intention is to teach us something which actually is the definition of itihasa itihasa means itihasa so it was first is that they say that this happened yeah right. and this has been told to us with a certain intention what is that intention dharma artha kama mokshanam upadesham samanvitam to teach us about the purusharthas of life to teach us about how to live our lives in a more worthwhile way purvavruttam kathayuktam it has happened in the past and it has told to us in a katha format which means there might be some metaphors but not in terms of the characters of people not in terms of the actions that they did. they are just there sure. right and so that we can derive from them stories that are applicable to us in our own lives 
Absolutely. And so does that does that answer the question of are these stories fact or fiction, and does it matter the fact that we're learning from them? In fact, you know, I hear you know you growing up in the UK, you hear about you know, Alexander the Great and all these kind of people, and you learn valor and strength and stuff from that. But I mean, that's only well a couple of hundred years. We're talking about something from thousands of years ago. The essence, the stories of characters that show yeah. us things like nobility, how to govern people, governance, wealth creation systems. We're going to have uh, Sri Ramji Balasubramaniam, who produced the book Katolianomics, yes. talking about how economics was born such a long time ago from a culture, yes. from a civilization, from long ago. Um, so, so I mean, it looks like you know you're you're trying to debunk myths. You're trying to uh, uncover or challenge some of the narratives from the stories that we know of. Why is that important to you? You know, if it was just a story and it was seen just as a story, it didn't matter. But as I said, these are not seen as just a story. We look at the society today. We see we have problems. Mm. We try to pin the blame on our ancestors, saying that hey, you know what? Your culture is like that. Mm. It is your culture which is discriminatory. You Hindus are all about about caste. You Hindus are all about hating women, depriving them of their rights, insulting them, taking them away. And for that, they'll use these examples, right? And and Now, and you're looking at them saying, well, they're not true. And here's the Sanskrit definition or, or de delineation true. of them. The fact it has had on a generation, Sumit, right? Mm. We've grown up thinking that our civilization like this. Hence, there is nothing to preserve or protect in this. Hence, we are so happy to just give it up. We are so happy to rip ourselves using these stories, right? We are so happy to be enslaved to others because of that. You see what's going on in US. You see what's going on in UK with the caste legislation and everything, right? So it is not just limited to our identity, but it is also used. These topics are then used even from a political perspective to basically push down a certain group of people who they don't like, who they don't agree with ideologically, right? I'm hearing I'm hearing a call to action in in what you're saying, maybe to to the youth and to people from um, Sanatan Dharmi backgrounds to to know your history better absolutely yeah. absolutely because one that is what defines us and second today where history has been used as a weapon has been weaponized right it has become like a war you see the kind of stuff that goes on under the name of humanities and liberal education in universities it's crazy right they are hell-bent on putting uh on setting this victimhood narrative And how do we set this victimhood narrative by showing that all this past, what they otherwise called mythology, is all about a class war? They will mm. talk about Ramayan as a as not dharma par adharma par dharma ki bajaye as we are told to understand. They will make it look like what it was an Aryan round or destroying a Dravidian Ravan, whereas Ravan was actually very good, right? And we buy it. Why? Because when he said Ravan was good, Ravan was good, as we have been told, right? Because why? Because we don't know the history for what it is. Why had why did Ravan meet such a downfall? Why did Karna meet such a downfall? Is it because of their identities, or was it something else? Right? Was it their own fault that led to their downfall? Now today we one take away wrong lessons for our own selves, but we also become you know a, a pawn in the hand of these forces who want to break the society. Sure. So that's no. Where I think I'm. That is why I'm so passionate about this to say that no, it is important to go back and look at our history for what it is, and not to wash whitewash it. Yeah, not to say that if there was something bad, you whitewash it and make it sound good. I'm not saying that. But what is interesting is Sumit that when I started reading, I had, I was shocked more than even surprised to know that actually there's so much to that history that we can learn from one which is completely sidelined. There is so much to that history, which actually shows what we were as a society, how we lived, what was the mm. status of a woman, what kind of roles and responsibilities she played. Right? The thing about whole caste thing, you see, the society which is a lot more fluid than what it is, what it is shown today. Not to say we don't have problems today, but the 
but the but the, uh, the reason for those problems is not the past the reasons for those problems is not that long a past maybe not last 100 200 years ago sure now, sure not knowing that that what actually caused the problem we are not able to come out with the right solution and we keep bringing out something which is not even a problem so that is the sure. other reason why okay. i think history for what it is is important so you, you've written you've written two books on on this, right? So Mahabharata uh, unraveled and uh, Ramayana unraveled. Also, I think you... I think there was, as I said, right? It's not as if I knew all of this. I sure. was also I am also a product of what is going on. I'm I'm a product of the same educational system, so to say. So uh, a lot of people tell me today, and I understand that they say say that uh, uh, you know it's easy to understand uh, Krishna. Mahabharata is a lot more fun. Sri Ram, very difficult to understand him. Why? Because, you know, we call him the Mariada Pushota, which means he's very ideal to the level of becoming rigid about things, right? And then like, aisa kaisa, how can somebody live like this in today's generation? So he's not relevant today. That's what they say. And they say, no, no, Krishna is very relevant. So Mahabharata is a lot more interesting than Ramayana. Okay. So, so from that perspective, I used to find Ramayana very attractive. Not to say that I used to, I never looked all about Ramayana, so to say. But that bit of a challenge, a personal challenge to dive into the life of, of Ram. It's true what you say. It's very interesting. I think I've always sort of, I think generally people relate to Krishna because of his childlike abilities yeah. and um, the way he was, his nature growing up as an adolescent and then the wisdom he bestowed in the late latter parts of his life. Ah, it's interesting. Do people relate to Ram less? And you said he was the ideal man, you know, ideal husband, ideal king. But that's ideal... what we think he is. I mean, he is not to say he's not, right? Sure. But I think I how would, is I, that? If if somebody is... asked me that if there is one book of yours we want to read, we won't read both books. Yeah, I will say read Ramayana rather than really. Ramayana. I will say okay. that because Valmiki's Ram, Valmiki's Sri Ram is so much more relatable. He is okay. so much more like us, yeah. Like a human. Like a human going through all emotions. He is not, and also you know this whole Mariada Pushatam. Of course, he's a Mariada Pushatam, but not without a reason. He's not rigid. He is doing what he's doing, and he has very clear reasons. He's very clear reasons why he is making a choice. He has very clear reasons why he is going away on Banvas, right? Unlike what we are taught, because he is very obedient to his father, he walked away. No, no. There's a lot more to it. Now, I'm not getting into the details of those stories. Sure, we're, let, but, let's not do that. <laughs> but yeah. okay, hold on, hold on. Yes, Ram, the ideal man, right? But he had to walk away from his wife because of the society. And, and we'll go into that in more detail another time. So yeah. talk about, talk about um, Ram Bhagwan. He was the ideal king, ideal man. And you're saying it's, people have said it's difficult to relate to him. I, I agree so, right? I'm not in a position where I need to um, think about kingship. But if we think about, he gave up his wife for the society. And here we have Prince Harry sticking by his guns with Meghan Markle and giving up his royalty. You know, could Prince Harry learn from Ram Bhagwan? Okay, now the thing is, Prince Harry is a titular head. That was not the case at that time. Sure. Right? He has, nothing depends on Prince Harry. But there, everything depending okay. on, depended on Sri Ram. Now, of course, because he was heir to the throne. That episode in singularity, we'll have to understand the whole context for it. Also, this thing that is also not right. Again, it comes from Uttarakhand. So there are lots of things which we can discuss in that. But as I said, Prince Harry, even if he quits kingdom, nothing is going to change. Not one person is going to be impacted in UK. Right? Fair enough. Okay. That's not how that is not how the kings were then they were okay my, my question was yeah sure it was justice but it's still hard to relate how do i relate to ram Bhagwan? Ah, that's i don't have kingdom and kingship on my head so you are looking at it from just that one incident yeah, yeah. what i'm saying is there is so much more to Raman that builds up to that so once all that once we know his life, once we know how he makes decisions in different situations, right? What was the relation of his between him and Sitaji? How mm. Sitaji is a very strong character, unlike what we are made to think, right? How she also tests Sri Ram at multiple points in time. And then we come to this episode. So it's it's not if you just jump to this and say, Oh, I can't relate to him. So you're I saying that the 
there's a, so much more to even the emotions that he goes through yeah so, Fine. so the context is much larger there's much absolutely. deeper reasoning behind that and and I, I think what you're saying is we can learn much more from that depth but i don't know is it about what what does it say about society that we only know the stories at the surface level not everyone is going to go to the depths you have but i, I think we're, we're privileged to have you write two books on those um let's 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 take a, a slightly different angle here with so we're talking about these dharmic concepts right these books that help us uncover dharma understand dharma in the world um so for yourself omiji going through this journey uncovering the depths debunking myths exposing mistruths what have you learned for yourself what's your how has your life shifted as a result of that of that journey you've been through namaste thank you for listening Vijayamanthan attempts to start the conversation and keep it going in an earnest manner. We are here to talk, discuss and dissect societal challenges using a civilizational lens. Tune in on your favourite podcast platform or vijayamanthan.org forward slash podcast to find out more. What have you learned for yourself? What's your... How has your life shifted as a result of that, of that journey you've been through? Well, it has shifted in terms of the exposure I'm getting. So there is a lot more material aspect to it. Not, not in the sense of money, because there is really no money to make in this. Does that provide you with extra responsibility? Um, yes, definitely. Because now what is happening is that people, okay, now on the positive of it, right? Who am I? Why would, why would people want to read what I've written? I don't come from any literary background. I don't come with any celebrity status, nothing. In spite of that, my books got an amazing response. Yeah, yeah published in Bloomsbury, you know, bestseller in India. So Absolutely. And after reading, so many people have called me on different podcasts. So many institutes have invited me to give talks, right? Now, what, the, what this does show is that there is a lot of hunger in the youth today in India, or rather, let's say Hindu and Indic and youth in and even outside of people of Indian origin to know what is it, what is this culture that they represent, right? Because all said and done, second generation, third generation, Brits, British, Indian origin parents, yes, but... For example, you, right, or Bansri or many others. There is still so much indignance in all of you, right, in spite Absolutely. of being born there. So there is a, there is a. I just want to push on this point a little bit. Actually, there is a a jagruti. I think they call it an awakening within the Indian diaspora across the world to discover their true identity. And what I mean by true identity is the ancestry, the history, the right. Um, wisdom in our history that comes from thousands of years and it's it's covered topics within all walks of life even the guidebook to how to live life in a flourishing manner and not just individually as society humanity how do we enact in the world that benefits others that reduces harm is loving is compassionate and and through these ithias through these stories we can begin to dissect or create a discerning of a vic between good qualities bad qualities middle all those characters that you've painted and represented but that is futuristic what is leading to it is the question what is leading sure to the search for deeper meaning or the another... quest to own a narrative that is one Right, but why would you want to own something if it doesn't make sense to you? Now I'll tell you how it makes sense to us. Right, be it UK, be it Europe, other places of Europe, be it US, Indic diaspora, Indian diaspora has very well gelled into those communities. Yeah, the reaction, the responses to situations is very unlike other groups of diaspora that exist there. Irrespective of what community within Indians, there is a certain way we react, there is a certain way we behave, there is a certain way we interact, which is very distinct from others. Now, what is it that is making us distinct? Right? Why is it that the crime rate is the lowest for Indian diaspora abroad? Yeah, why is it that we don't see them screaming for rights, this, that, whatnot? They are happy following rules and regulations in the place they are. They work hard. They establish themselves. They never punch, punch far above their weight in all 
all areas Absolutely. of uh, academia and, and, and business. And they look at those places in a way that they want to contribute to those places mm. as well, right? Yeah. Where is all yeah. that coming from? Why are we different from the others? Clearly, well, there is something in our sanskaras, even if not overtly taught to us that way. I, so I, now, I can resonate with that. So now, when others are wearing their identities on the sleeve, what is it that is stopping us from at least exploring where our roots are? Right. I think that has given rise to this, uh, to curiosity, even more than anything, to say, meaning but what am I? Right. And one of the phenomenal books, which I've, which I think um, has helped, which actually aroused my curiosity, amongst other things, is uh, is uh, being different by Rajiv Malhotraji. Yeah. And I would request everybody to read that book. He actually explains why is it that Indians anywhere react in a certain way and then that was also the time when i had moved to hong kong and i was working in a german company yeah like in in my team there were about 15 different nationalities asians europeans americans but even within asians indians had a specific way of responding to situations like whatever be the chaos yeah germans would be like oh my god what to do so when nobody else could find a way we'd be like nahi, nahi, ho jayega, and <laughs> get it done right we are very comfortable in chaos. Now I'm stereotyping it, but if you see, this is true in most cases, right? We wouldn't get so shaken up. We will still manage somehow. I mean, now India has the largest population on the planet, um, and the diaspora also is absolutely massive. Yes. So you're saying there's a there's a binding thread. There's a principle or a set of values instilled within people from that the Indic region. How do we then channel that? How do we use that? What's the where, where are we going? So this is then the next step, which, as you very rightly mentioned, right? One is owning, one is knowing ourselves for what we are. What is it that makes us Indian? What is it that sure. shapes our, not just identity, but our responses as well? So one is that, just knowing that. Second is being assertive about it, especially today when there is a war of identities and there is this whole propaganda that is used politically as well to show down a certain group of people. Uh, again, to own the narrative, not just in reaction, but proactively. Right. And sure. for just to become good human beings, yeah? How do we respond to situations in a more sustainable way? Now, that's uh, that's the other thing. We don't call Hinduism uh, religion. We call it dharma, mm. yeah? Mm. Now, dharma, the definition itself, religion is a very, very sankusha, very, very small thing within dharma. Dharma itself means sustainability. That which sustains and upholds, that is dharma. So how do we live in a fashion that is sustainable amongst people with the ecology? We talk about sustainability every time now. This is what our dharma has taught us. This is how our ancestors lived in harmony with not just human beings, but also other animals, also the prakriti around us, right? So is there a way we can look at problems that we are facing today from what our dharma teaches us, from what our ancestors, you know, the way the ancestors lived their life. Because all said and done, we are a civilization that has existed for over 5,000, 10,000 years, right? Whatever yeah. dating we want to accept. What is so it that has to live like that? Clearly, there are tips we can get for our future as well. I, I believe so. And, I, and that's a lot of the 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 genesis and the thinking and the genesis there's a lot of the thinking behind sort of you know vichar manthan and, and especially with the podcast and think why i why i spend so much time trying to speak to people like yourself to uncover the truths and myths of of life and how we sustain ourselves in a better way and i think it's a good point you picked up there on sustainability and that you know that's at least in business talk a lot about how do we Think about regenerative farming how do we not damage the environment so much but you're saying this stuff come from thousands of years ago only now where the western world perhaps is discovering some of it and maybe not even at principal levels but greenwashing perhaps um i mean gee what we'll do now we'll go into the rapid fire round i don't know if you are aware of what that is but it's some some rapid questions so that our audience can get to know you a little bit better on i mean you tell me if you were stranded on a deserted island what three items would you take with you and why? If I was going to go on a deserted island, like I, I'm aware I'm going to go. Yeah, yeah. You, you get to take three things with you. What are those? Definitely as much as water that I can carry. If possible, if I can get internet, then maybe Wi-Fi because that care takes care of my reading and everything. And what else? And something that will allow me to learn how to live in a deserted place. 
like some okay. instruments, some apparatus that is just you know first figuring out what is over there. Prani uh, hai, so how do I take, how do I protect myself? Sure, that. sounds good. What goes into your perfect breakfast smoothie? Oh, <laughs> not a big smoothie fan. Okay, <laughs> perfect breakfast. And curd cannot be mixed. <laughs> <laughs> Does that come from your your understanding of yoga and what we should and shouldn't eat? Yeah. Okay, what's what's your perfect breakfast? Uh, nuts and fruits okay. to begin with. Very good. Very healthy. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? I don't want any superpowers. To be very honest, I think it's. Superpowers always bring a lot of cons with them. I'm happy just being a human being. I don't want any superpowers. That's, that's interesting that you think humans are innately corrupt yeah, <laughs> when they get too much or too ego or when the balance of life is not set, they go off in certain ways. So superpower for some time until it becomes your the evil part within you. Amiji, do you have a favorite quote? Dharmo rakshati rakshitaha. And, and if you could translate that for the audience. So the whole thing goes, dharma eva hato hanti, dharma rakshati rakshitaha. One who destroys dharma gets destroyed by dharma. One who protects dharma is protected by dharma. If you would look at it from a sustainability, the definition of sustainability, if we live in accordance with the society, with the nature, in a way that the nature sustains, nature will protect us. But if we live in a way that is harming the nature, destroying it, our destruction is bound to happen because we depend on nature as well, right? So, and this comes up many times in Mahabharata. I just love it. Dharma Rakshati Rakshitaha. That's awesome. And just a question on that, really, that, you know, we're talking about this ancient wisdom. Is it applicable to today? Is it timeless? Because the, the stories that we talk of are of different yugs, a different time of life now nature and the way society is built arguably is quite different so does it really still apply you know it's very interesting we don't need to learn um uh, uh war te techniques like the war uh weapons from them yeah that the technology has changed for sure right but okay. the way people think psychology of human beings uh, approach to interactions, approach to dealing with problems, approach to living sustainability with the society. I think all this is as true as before, although the technologies have changed. So I think this, this wisdom is as timeless. And uh, whether it is about running an organization, be it about living in a family, some values might have still changed. What mattered then might not matter for us now. But anyways, we are not a we are not a prescriptive civilization. Right? We have the uh, liberty to say this is valid today. Probably this is not. This makes sense. This doesn't. We've changed with times. And that, that said, there is still so much that can be applied to anything and everything. Be it war strategies. Be it, uh, as I said, organizational. Yeah, uh, organization related. So there's a there's a plurality then to. Understanding this, this personal growth, mentorship, all of mm. this is as valid today as it was then. Also, policy, for example, in Mahabharata and even Ramayana, but Mahabharata even more. The whole Shanti Parva, especially Shanti Parva, like talks about what is Raj Dharma and how should the king govern. As I said, technology could be different, but the approach to how things should happen is still the same. And I, I'll probably end end at this. In Arthashastra, we think you know. Times are different, people are different. In Arthashastra, um, Kautilaj, uh, Rishi Chanakya has enumerated 40 ways, 40 ways in which a financial fraud can happen. Oh, and hence, really? he has said how to avoid that and how to punish those. Yeah. <laughs> so, excellent. Excellent. So, know you always, human beings have really not changed that much. Human mm. minds haven't changed, our desires haven't changed. Maybe the control which people had on their senses has deteriorated even more, but we are we are, we are still the same in the world. Yeah, you, you think we're headed for doom? I don't know. There, there is an uplift. Oh, no, those, I don't think people. so. I think we believe in the circular frame of time, uh, right? You go down, you come up. You just need to have the will to do it. And some shraddha. He'll take care. Krishna will take care. <laughs> have some uh, discipline, some dedication. Commit yourself to the growth of yourself and, and humanity and the rest will take care of itself.
we uh we only impact this universe here you know then and it has influence on the rest of the universe around us uh, amiji what's the best advice you've ever been given you know being in the consulting field there's a lot of advice that comes but i think uh, one thing which i have learned and read about and also seen people we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously not in the sense that don't do things seriously right this mm. comes into play when things are not going our way we think we can control everything but that doesn't happen mm. hence we do what we must do do it to the best of our abilities but eventually let life happen and flow with the flow as a hindi saying aap apna kaam karo kaam karte raho other things will take care of itself kaam karna chhod mat do and be open to life happening to you i think that and that sort of has worked really well with me because i'm not somebody who plans too far ahead in life i can't right. and the yeah. way things have turned out without planning has been great <laughs> so sometimes just being open helps be adaptable be agile great great wisdom you're helping us unlock here amiji thank you so much do you have a favorite book would it be wrong to say one of your own <laughs> <laughs> well um I would I would request people to read it for sure but I think um I I would say Bhagavad Gita but I think I really the one which has impacted me significantly is being different okay. I genuinely genuinely think being different should be read more by a lot of people because it the spark the, it sparked the curiosity in me to to understand what does it mean to be a Hindu what does it mean to be an Indian why are we the way we are and sort of although that journey was on it actually you know propelled me to say no i really need to understand more so yeah. i would definitely call it amongst one of my favorite books and favorite reads excellent we'll we'll share a link into the description box below and when doing research for this podcast prepping for this i spoke to a few of my uh, friends and colleagues at at vicharmanthan and what they wanted to know was was there something that drove you to this change was it i think i asked earlier on did you have a search for deeper meaning and i think you've made made reference to this book propelling that understanding within you so um oh very interesting thank you for sharing i mean i i give uh, every guest an opportunity on this podcast to make commitment to something that they could grow within themselves so is there something that you wish to do or accomplish or is there something you're putting off or or a habit you'd like to change would you like to commit that here to all the the listeners of the vicharmanthan podcast as i said suvid i'm not a big planner in lot of these things thanks to prashna i am inherently lot more disciplined to do things like if i take up something i end up doing it so i'm already doing i'm working on it but i hope in the next couple of years there will be more work related to index stuff that Excellent. should come out and i really want to do that because i think there's just so much out there which can change the way we look at ourselves and can change the way we look at governance and can change the way we look at our interactions with each other and the you know surroundings around us so yeah i hope at least one book a year or a year and a half wow i was going to ask is there a, a third book in the making but i think you've answered that for us has there been one moment a paradigm shift in your life when when something changed or everything changed could you help us understand that i think moving to hong kong was really? one thing yeah i'm back now and i always wanted to be back but uh, i think if hong kong wouldn't have happened the whole this wouldn't have happened because as i said it gave me a lot of time to mm. uh, one read yeah a lot of time just in life to do things beyond work because at bain while i loved the work it was a 24 hour job yeah like consulting is so i really didn't have time to do much else uh, so that was that is what happened the other thing which happened is that uh, the people i met in hong kong i just very very accidentally or let's say it was a stroke of luck that i happened because my background i wasn't associated with sang in india before moving there but just meeting the people there interacting with them uh understanding how how committed people are to some of these civilizational causes right and that really helped a lot of to help bring about a lot of manthan in my own thinking mm. yeah and encouragement that i got from them so i think hong kong has been quite instrumental also what happened there is that the job that i was doing it allowed me to travel a lot yeah the job required it not that i did anything in that it just happened that way that i had to travel a lot and um, you know as as i said like sometimes it's just 
you should just be open to let life happen to you wherever i went it just happened that you know these um nimittas all speaking about hindu culture would just come to me yeah wow. be it in okay. brazil be it in cuba be it wherever and i know sure. okay what is all this i really need to understand more and i was already on that journey so i think just it helped make the connections and allowed me to learn allowed me to get deeper and deeper into this yeah so i think yeah moving to hong kong was some sort of a paradigm shift in a lot of ways nice encouraging everyone to to travel you've you've talked we've talked about dharma and, and you've been through the, the the definitions and understanding of that and we've also mentioned the word sustainability and how that's relevant to to everyone and to everything at least i think in definition wise but amiji to you personally what does sustainability mean sustainability means living in a way that is that leads that allows an individual as well as everybody around her everything around her to not just survive but thrive and prosper so that leads to the overall prosperity and progress of that unit that organization that system that you are a part of living in a way that allows self as well as that system to grow and prosper awesome okay let's uh, let's end the the rapid fire around there and uh, we'll, we'll get back into the rest of the podcast very excited today here to be with amiji ganatra talking about uh, her life her books her journey what her inquiry was the searching for meaning the myths she's uncovered and and the challenging the narratives in a in a civilizational way so um again you can catch this podcast on spotify apple podcasts audible google podcasts uh, and of course youtube uh, amiji so thank you listen for being on the jar month podcast i have a couple more questions i want to go into um and and if they come out of uh, areas of your books or other research you've talked about i'll be interested to know maybe sort of the sources or the text that they've come from so there's a lot of we've mentioned it already there's a lot going on in the world you know identity yeah. is a is a big thing and uh, freedom of choice freedom of language um freedom of understanding so so can you help us understand what free will is and perhaps how liberty is extended to us in the world we don't look at free will stand alone is there free will that we have yes and is there an aspect that is beyond our control yes the free will that we have is of setting goals and putting all our effort to work towards it basically what krishna says karmanneva adhikaraste ma phaleshu kadachana we have the adhikar when we say we have the adhikar we have the right we have the free will over our action how we do it what we do what is not completely under our control is the outcome of it but okay. even in the outcome even in the outcome there is a lot which still depends on us and that he explains in the 18th chapter he says there are five things which decide a success or a failure yeah okay. because eventually that is where it is right free will why do we want free will to be able to do whatever we want to do which means whatever we take up we want it to succeed right now what does success or failure depend on he says there are five things one is adhishthana karta karanam and prithakvida cheshtha karta the doer if the doer is not competent enough it cannot a work will not succeed right okay. but to so develop that competence skills okay right we're talking about developing those skills and absolutely so that is dependent on us whoever is doing it right second is karanam the resources that he or she uses the material that he uses the apparatus the instruments being used if they are not up to the mark again the work will not succeed third is prathakvidha cheshtha the processes in which a certain task has to be done right if that is not followed again there is not going to be success again something within our control my free will how i do it right fourth is the surrounding conditions now the surrounding conditions of so say when i have to decide on where to build say a bridge i need to ensure that this the the area is such that you know it can take earthquakes whatever whatever at least knowing what all that is so again sure. something which is in my control he says after all this panchamiti daivam the last one the fifth one though is what in project management we call the risk factor that risk factor is just not in our control do whatever 
there are some things we cannot control. So while there is this aspect that we cannot control, the other stuff is definitely in our control. So the outcome will be based on both of this. Our Purshartha, on which we have Adhikar, Karma pe Adhikar hai, on which we have Adhikar, which is completely our free will to allow us to, to do or not to do. And then there is an aspect which is beyond our control, which we call Bhagya, destiny, risk factor, probability, whatever. Interesting. That's so interesting. Krishna, the ultimate management psychologist. Krishna has <laughs> all answers. Right? Just... And so, so you're talking about skills, tools, processes, conditions, right? So that's 80%. And then 20% you can't control is, is risk factor or destiny, fate, free will, whatever you want to call it. So we still got 80-20 rule running uh, as far back as the, the Bhagavad Gita. But interesting to hear, actually, the way you've put that across to how we have free will in the world. There's not free will of everything. You got eighty percent. Now people right. might actually contest this, saying that oh, but a co your competence may not depend only on you. It might be something else, of course. But that is for everyone, right? That is applicable for everyone. Variables for everything, and even when it comes to skills, you can build your your character Correct. and your development. Also, we've been given buddhi, right, to say that okay, this is this is something which I can do and something which I can't. Mm. So that buddhi also I have to say that okay, this I really suck at painting. Yeah. Now if I want to. Say that I want to become a painter. I know, of course, if I try hard enough, maybe. But maybe. <laughs> should, I, should I do that or take up something I'm good at? So the, the buddhi has been given to us for free will. Else, we could have been animals, right? Who don't decide anything in life. They they eat as much as as much hunger they have. They live for only their instincts. We don't. Now, that is the difference. We should not live only for our instincts and impulses. We That's have intellect that can help us Correct. The make good decisions for the world. But, but in that intellect, do we need to have the understanding that there is causality, there are repercussions, there are yes. uh, a knock-on effect and influence we have within the world of what we do, what we say? Arguably, we can say from the Mahabharat, maybe especially, in, and we mentioned Draupadi earlier, we can learn repercussions of our actions. We can understand that even with free will, there are, um, I don't know what I'm looking for, like 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 string theory, there are threads that Correct. occur as a result of our actions. Correct. We have the free will to act, right? But we, as I said, on its outcome, on the repercussion, we grow. Now, if we've acted in a certain way, which is harmful, then clearly the repercussion of it will happen. That is a physics. Right, it's a law of physics. Every action will have an equal and opposite reaction. There is no running away from it. But mm -hmm. when, when, is there free will to act? Yes, for sure. Excellent. Okay, thank you for that. Um, how, uh, Amiji, how do you go about picking the stories that you place into your books? <clears throat> so, um, in the in both Mahabharata and Ramayana, as I said, my uh, objective, at least for these two books, was to narrate the stories for what they are and debunk false narratives about them yeah sure. so especially when i was writing mahabharat mahabharat there are just so many myths out there that that needed to be corrected so it is it is very uh, personality based yeah i wanted to pick up key characters or rather all the important characters and bring out really what they are to actually state this, yeah, that the you act in a way you act, then be ready for the repercussions. And this is how it is for everybody. Also, some aspects around who really was card, vagere, vagere. So those stories, and then other lesser known stories, which are otherwise not covered, like what happened after the war. So there are chapters on that. And then we know that all these guys had children. So who were these sons of uh, Pandavas and what role did they play, including Abhimanyu is the only one which people know, but there are others also. So, so some of these uh, stories which I thought were very interesting and people need to know about it. So that's how I picked up those stories. Is there a danger of uncovering certain misconceptions because society isn't ready for them necessarily? And I'll give you an example. One of um, the colleagues on Vicharamant and was telling me about where you describe procreation and conception in uh, one of the books around how if the lineage or if the yeah. the, the king was yes. uh, infertile, 
then uh, so what do you refer to it as? Neog. Neog, right? Do you, I do you think society is ready to hear that and understand it? I think it should, right? It should. Oh, yeah. I'm it not should. arguing about should, should or shouldn't. Is is it ready? Well, I don't know when else the society would be ready. We are talking about anything and everything today, these days, right? Fair enough. And that is how it was. We just have to understand it in the right context. And to me, that was quite something because we are portrayed as a society which was extremely rigid about all of this, right? Which is not true. What we actually learn is a lot of the uh, sex-related taboo that we have today actually did not exist then. I can Things agree to that. Things have changed because of you know some and, other ideologies which looked at that as a sin. We did. For, for us, karma, we have four purushartha, right? Dharma, artha, karma, moksha. Karma is one of them. And why is karma purushartha? Again, going back to sustainability. If there was no intercourse, there wouldn't be children. If there wouldn't be children, how would the society survive? You need mm. people, right? You need continuity. So it is not a sin. It is something that is, people are told that this is one of the grahasthas are told that this is your responsibility to ensure that your lineage, your samaj goes on. So it was never looked down upon in that sense. Was there fidelity, loyalty expected? Yes, yes. All of that is there. People need to know why Niyog was there. Not just that, oh, they did Niyog, they allowed multiple partners. No. What was the logic behind it? I think people really need to know some of these things. Are there any other big moments like that that you've uncovered? What oh, there are, are lots. Other... There I mean, are, I, you've written two whole books on them, but is there a, a, a particular one that stuck out to you? Well, there are lots, but I'll give you one more example on similar lines. Yeah, we talk about women being um, women not being empowered at that time. Sure. Yeah. Now, what actually comes out in Mahabharat, and and when we say not being empowered, what is the meaning of empowerment? Taking your own decisions, right? Largely, it's that, and taking a call on your own wedding who you want to marry that is a big yeah. decision to take and That's problem even today exactly exactly we see throughout that even the not so big characters like ulupi like hidimba yeah women have approached men themselves now not exactly as a wedding but to have kids to have a son yeah okay. they themselves have gone out and said that hey i really desire you satisfy me you see this and, is and so different from the understanding of a society we have where we are told that women were only impressed uh, uh, oppressed and is that empowerment well they at least had the right to do that right fine they were there's got to be there's, there's got to be more there's got to be more for go on, go on. the thing is they are not looked down upon at all right okay, they okay, are celebrated a... nobody says array look how she did that for that matter draupadi having five husbands Except True. Karna, there is no one, no one who insults her or humiliates her for that. No one. The society is so open to allow some of these things when there is a proper logic, rationale, whatever given for it. Cohesive society, plural in nature. Lots to learn from that. I think, especially in today's context, you, you're saying there's everyone's talking about everything at the moment. The gender, politics identity politics, uh, all sorts of language metrics now being used, how we govern ourselves in the in the world. So I, I think we said this at the top of the podcast that there is a lot to be learned from the ancient cultures. And, um, you know, uh, a big, big uh, namaste from myself to you, Amiji, for putting the time in to learn about this history, learn Sanskrit as a result, to dive into the, the books, the itihas, the texts to uncover arguably truth you've been on a search for what's real in the wisdom that we can unlock and to share that with the world is an admirable feat um thank you once again amiji for for coming on to the child month and podcast is there a call to action or a specific ask or is there something you'd like to leave our listeners um when it when it comes to the work and the the journey that you've been on I would say whatever is the popular narrative that comes your way, just don't accept it with your eyes closed. Question it. Question it. Especially if it is something to do with Hindu Dharma, if it is something to do with our identities, definitely question it. 80% of the time, it will be false. 
question Absolutely. it and don't just question it and leave it yeah try to find out more or at least you know um, support people who are trying to uh, research this and trying to bring out the truth excellent thank you so much amiji once again for joining us on the vichar mantra podcast we hope to have have you back very soon and maybe we can dive deeper into each of your books and the characters within them because uh, i'd love to know more and i'm sure our listeners at home uh, are are itching to know a little bit more about your journey your story some of the um narratives that you've uncovered the authentic interpretation so once again namaste and and thank you for joining us uh, amiji thank you thank you so much namaste and to anyone listening at home this is the vichar mantan podcast you can catch us on your favorite streaming platform we are talking about all things relevant to the modern world we're talking about dharma womanhood liberty freedom sustainable wealth relationships what does a green future look like philosophy academia a vichar mantan podcast is a project looking to explore the real world the modern world through a dharmic lens through in-depth interviews with some of the best thinkers of our time Uh, the podcast is exploring how we can better understand ourselves our lives and recapture the ancient and classical ideals of sustainability liberty and flourishing please do tune in for an earnest conversation i am your host sumit sharma this was the vichar mantan podcast namaste